Well, hello, Sobertown. Welcome to the two for one. This hasn't been recorded for quite a while. So I would like to introduce myself and my colleague who's sitting here with me after so long. We are getting together to do a podcast. I am Polly A. And with me today is King 13. Before we get chatting, which we haven't done for ages, I'll just introduce who we are on Sobertown. We are a non-profit organization revolutionizing the recovery space. We're here to amplify the voices of recovery and provide a beacon of hope for those battling this addiction. We equip individuals in recovery with tools, resources, and a supportive community, the supportive community they need to conquer their personal battles with addiction. We provide a safe platform to engage, learn, recover, and emerge stronger. And the visions for Sobertown is to bring people together across all forms of addiction, as well as their families, bridging gaps in communities and providing programs, resources, education, engagement, and support in the aid of recovery. So that's who we are, what we're planning for the future. And as I say, I am Polly A, and with me is my good friend, King, King 13. 13. That would be me. That would be you. For those who have not gone back to the early podcasts of Sobertown, might not know us. We did some very early podcasts together. In fact, I was saying to Drifty just yesterday, I said, you've got two of the OGs here. I said, yeah. you go back to episode, <laughs> I don't know, 20. <laughs> and now he's got 300. Yeah, but we were in the early days and yeah. you more than me. Yeah. Karina and I started, uh, I'm hoping Karina and I can do a podcast together next month. We've all gone through, between the three of us, we've gone through some major upheavals in the last year and a half, which we will talk about in a moment. But we started, as I say, with Sobertown, in the grassroots of Sobertown, in its early days, talking, and we were the two for one. We got two for the price of one, and we would discuss different topics. But I am here in King's hometown of Melbourne, Australia. I flew over to visit family in Australia and got together with King for the first time. We met in the a virtual world over two years ago. I Am Sober. Yeah, in the I Am Sober app, which has been the, the one thing that has helped us make connections with each other. And it helped grow the idea for Sobertown, the I Am Sober app. And everybody who's contributed to Sobertown is a volunteer and has come out of the I Am Sober. So I currently am 39 months sober. And King, you're what? I'm at 31 months sober. I'm about 971 days. Yeah. We've been talking and it's the connections that have kept us sober. Right. And it was through Zooms and in particular the women's Zooms that you and I started to communicate and get to know each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, when yep. you went off for surgery, I stepped in with Karina and did some podcasts and then the three of us did a few, but you and Karina were the main two doing, as you said, two for one. And then you came across, you and Karina came across this brilliant idea that women needed to support each other. And that was really fantastic because even today, as we look at the groups in Telegram that we have, you've grown it from what? There was only how many when you started? Two groups. And now there would be, what, 20? Yeah, our very first group was 26 women, which was way over the top. And some women were getting overwhelmed because as we've learned in early sobriety with these groups, the smaller the group, the better. 
because otherwise there's too many messages. It gets overwhelming. But I think the one thing for the women is knowing they've got a safe space. And that was what exactly what you wanted yeah, to provide. that's what we wanted. Because to me, women dealing with addiction have got different issues to men because I've always maintained that a lot of women drink emotionally. It's, it, it's an emotional thing for women because we don't want to feel the emotions that we're feeling a lot of the time. So that's why we drink. And we drink because we're sad. We drink because we're happy. We drink because the kids have played up. We've argued with the husband, you know, the sun's shining and we don't want it to. Any excuse we could find, we would drink because we didn't want to cope with the day-to-day -day stuff. We wanted to switch off. Unfortunately, some of us switched off too much. Yeah, and as we <laughs> dug into these Zooms, because what the idea was, was to get together on a Zoom and then we'd break off into little rooms of four or five and we got to know each other at a much more intimate and personal yes. level. And what we discovered through those Zooms was that it was open conversation. It was very private, but we realized that a lot of people had a lot of trauma that they brought into the rooms and into their drinking, and it was never addressed or discussed. And all of a sudden there was this platform where we could support and help each yes. other. Nothing was off the table. And, you know, it really helped a lot of people move on in their sobriety by having the support and being able to address it. As I said, it became like therapy and it still is, I think, to this day. And I think the best part about it is, is one of the most judgmental places that you can go because non like you said, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's sorry, non-judgmental. I didn't yeah. mean to say that like the way it was. I knew, was. We knew what you we meant. We knew what you meant. Yeah. As old age for you folks, it is, a, like I said, a safe space. It's non-judgmental. You can discuss whatever you want. It's not just about alcohol. The majority of women have used alcohol to mask something else. And men. Men do it as well. But I think with women, there's usually a trauma at the back of mm -hmm. it. Or they're dealing with something that's hard going and alcohol is their crutch. And like you say, men as well. There's a lot of men who use alcohol as a crutch. And we you know, we talk all the time about the norm. Mm. It's such a norm in society. It is everywhere we go. And... You know, we, we're always very interested into what you, what brought you to this place that you decided to give it up. We talk about that a lot. How did you end up on this journey? You know, because a yeah. lot of people can just continue on and we could all probably all end up in our grave as drinkers. But at the end of the day, I think we all found that we had this common denominator. Like you said, there was no judgment. We were all on the same even keel. It didn't matter where you came from. Yeah. And we come from all walks of life, all Lovely. ages. And, you know, you see these people develop and grow and maintain sobriety, men and women. And I mean, the men, I've seen the men get just as emotional as the women. Yeah. And it's a great thing because we don't have, like I said, and I made a comment about you and I, we've known each other for 27 months. Yes. God, we've been with each other day <laughs> in, day out, day in, day out. If anyone wants to go to the yeah. I Am Sober app, I posted about what we've been through. Yeah. And yet when I met you on picture up at the airport, as I said, the, the, just how familiar I was was so understated. It was like picking up an old friend. In fact, I said something to you today and said, well, why didn't I know that? Well, you said to me it was six years ago and I didn't know you. And I went, oh, and so in my brain, you'd been in my life forever. <laughs> because we had covered, we have covered so much about life. Well, look at when we were doing the podcast. I mean, you, me, me, you, Karina. We went down so many rabbit holes oh. because the one thing we did say with podcasts was we are not experts. We're just ordinary, everyday right. people right. trying to get sober, trying to work our sobriety, trying to learn how to be sober. Because to me, 
the only way you can get sober is to educate yourself in what alcohol's effects are on your mind, your body. Once you start seeing what those effects do, what alcohol does to your mind and your body, it starts waking you up to the realization is, hang on a minute, I'm poisoning myself here. Otherwise, if you just try and stop drinking without any kind of support, without any kind of education, then I think you're on a losing streak. And that's exactly right. When I came into it, I knew absolutely nothing about sobriety. Mm -hmm. And then I became obsessed. And as I said, you and I would call each other at all times of the day and night and say, guess who I found? Have you read this guy? Have you heard about this person? They say this. But not only that, listening. When I came in and I looked at those that had, you know, a hundred days, I was like, how the heck can they even do that? How did they get there? So I sat back and I was like a sponge and and took him what, like people like Chef 56, people like even Raul, just all the people that had so much more time than us. And I, then I was, it started to give me the hope that I could do this by learning. Because you're right, it was a world that we didn't know anything about. And I think the word you just get said there, hope, when you see what these people have achieved and you look at them and you think, okay, this gives me hope. If they can do it, then surely I can do it. And I think the I Am Sober app itself, there's so much support goes on in there and someone will post something and say, oh, I just read this book and I found it really, really right. useful. I just watched this video. It's really, really useful. There's, there's so much information flowing backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards to help the next person who really needs some help. And it's like, although we didn't do AA, we have done and I drifted and I did with Stephanie Covington we did with Stephanie Covington we did the a woman's way through the 12 steps and that work yeah and the workbook with it but also we've done them and I did a podcast with Drifter about it we've done them organically because when we posted at day zero saying you know this is my day zero I've got to do this this is us admitting that you know here we are. Here we now are. Now what happened? Step one. <laughs> We've done step one. We've admitted that, you know. We're powerless, we're powerless over, over alcohol. Yeah. It's so, and then, yeah, yeah. And then when you find a tidbit of something that you think might help someone, you're actually doing step 12. You're paying it forward mm-hmm. and you're helping the person who's coming along behind you who's still struggling. And like it gave us hope. So how is that? How is what we're doing now? giving hope to the people coming behind us. Absolutely. It's all paying it forward. It's like a huge circle. And it's like learning how to deal with the emotions without alcohol in the mix. And, you know, you you go into these ladies' Zooms and it it does sometimes get very, very emotional. And we learn that we can cope with these emotions, that it's all right to have a sad day. It's It's all right to have a day where you think, Jesus, I feel like shit. Well, that's okay. That's normal. It's life. It's life. And as you know, in the last 18 months, the three of us, Karina, me, and you, have gone through a hell of a lot of upheaval. We've, Karina and I have you gone through. also, <laughs> yeah. And that, well, a trauma is a trauma. And even moving from one country to another is a kind of trauma. Mm. It. You know, it upsets you emotionally. It, it makes you anxious. Well, you leave everything behind, yep. don't you? That's it. And 
there's the unknown. You go into, you think you're going back to something that's familiar, but it's but it's still new. It's still new, and it's all still different. Mm. And it's especially, like, how long were you away from your home country in the UK? Twenty years. Same. We both spent twenty years away, even though we travelled back and forth. Yeah. But you come back, and things are not the way they were. That's just life. It's progressed. And I th- and I think our sobriety has helped us adapt much quicker to this mm-hmm. change. I think if I was still drinking, there's no way I could have done the big move that I did from the US back to the UK because that was a huge move. And I lost my Dan 15 months ago. Karina lost Andy almost five months ago. She's gone on. She's gone on to do some fundraising for cancer nurses. Mm-hmm. She did the tour around Ireland. Yep. That was her focus in memory of Andy to do that. Um, I've done things in memory of my Dan, more for me, little things like putting his ashes on a frozen river blanket in Alaska, <laughs> telling him he'd have to wait for the, for the spring thaw <laughs> before he could go down the river, little things like that. But then come into the realization that there was nothing left really for me in the U.S., and it was time to come back to the UK to the rest of my family. So organizing all that, like you know, because you move countries as well. Well, you watched me do it before. Yeah, you, you did it before me. And I, I watched all the stuff that you were going through. And I'm thinking, crikey, I'm going to be doing that as well. And we literally do start from scratch with not even a teaspoon, not even a pillow. So it's, you arrive somewhere and you think, crikey, I haven't even got the salt and pepper here. I know. I almost <laughs> think I left with more. I came back with two suitcases after 20 years and thought, but then we talked about it. It's only stuff. Yeah. You've got your memories. Yeah. I took my little trinkets, the photo of mum and dad that I carried around the world with me. And it's interesting. You said about moving back, you don't think you would have done it. Well, yes, you could have. And I did it consistently moving mm-hmm. overseas, working overseas, met my husband overseas. I dragged my way through the, through the world. <laughs> When I was living in hotels, it didn't matter where I was. Yeah. Alcohol was still getting me through whatever day and whatever country I was in. Now, was I totally present the whole time and had the clarity that we have today? Absolutely not. Because I, like you, when I came back, I was on my own. My husband mm-hmm. didn't join me for six or seven weeks. Yeah. So I was doing it on my own, like you. But it's almost empowering. Like, I knew I could do it. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. But I knew, because I didn't have a car at the time or anything, too. But we did it. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. But, and, and I think that you're right though. We handled it. It probably just, like we talked about being calm in sobriety. Mm-hmm. Yes. Today. And about the fact that we can take the pause now and think about logically, it'll be okay. It will work itself out. Whereas tomorrow, yesterday, sorry, when I was drinking, I had to have everything done before the day it ended. Why was the rush? What was I, what was I racing yeah. against? My Yourself. own heart attack. You know what? Well, no, I was racing against the clock so as I could sit down and start drinking. Well, there you go. <laughs> and you go. We've, we've had conversations over this last 24 hours or so. And we've talked about how that we do a lot more now. We go, we wouldn't, I mean, years when I was drinking, I wouldn't think to go out of the house after five o'clock mm. because that was wasting drinking time. God I, forbid you wouldn't, yeah. you stayed in the garage. Yeah, after that was it. Time. You know, but now where I live now, I'm close to town. And if it's late in the afternoon, I think, crikey, I forgot to get so-and-so. I will just put my shoes on and pop back out again. I don't think anything about it. 
And we've had this conversation about uh, clarity and how the longer you're sober, the more calm and clear your mind gets. And you can sit and you can think, okay, this is going on. What can I do about it? Whereas before you'd, you'd have been all over the place. You'd have been panicking. The anxiety would have been the, through the roof, like you say, sweaty hands. You know, just totally, you, you would be totally out and of And you would reach for the drink to calm yourself Yeah, down. I need a drink. That I was need the a drink. Answer. Yeah. And it wasn't the answer, but it was the answer at the time. At the time. Yeah. Because of that anxiety. It's exactly right. And don't get me wrong. We've had, a, we went out yesterday. You and Paul took me out to a beautiful restaurant for a meal. And it was right by the, the, the ocean, overlooking the ocean. It was beautiful. And there was a lady at the next table drinking a glass of wine. And I just looked at that glass of wine. And even after 39 months sober, I looked at that glass of wine and thought, how nice. So even though 39 months sober, you still do get the occasional thought pop in about, wouldn't it be nice? Didn't I tell you when I got home here and you and I were speaking a while back, and I said that exa those exact words yeah. to you, that that's what the voice is saying to me at this point in time in my sobriety. Wouldn't it be nice? Every mm. time I'm now back home with my closest and we're out and we're having, you know, dining somewhere nice, yeah. everybody in Melbourne drinks. And it's like the voice is going, wouldn't it be nice? And you and that's where you have to pause and say, sure, it would be for a couple of hours. And it's like when I was over in the UK back in February for my 70th birthday and my daughter-in-law was sat there with this, and sorry if this is a trigger, a lovely glass of rosé where it was cold and the condensation was on the outside of the glass. And I looked at that and I had a, a cup of chamomile tea and I looked at her glass of wine and my thought was, wouldn't it be nice? But the next thought was, that, that's what I say after the yeah. next thought is, it would be until, until it wasn't. that's what I said. Until the it was The first wouldn't. few hours. And that's where you have to stop yourself. Yeah. And then the tools that we've learned kicks in to say, okay, let's play this forward. Let's look yes. at what's really going to happen. All right. You've had your, your drinks or whatever. And again, sorry for the triggers, guys. But you've had your drinks and what have you. And then it ends. Yep. And then you want more. Yep. And I used to hate a lunch ending because that was when I was at the dopamine was at the highest. And then if I had to go home and say goodbye to my girlfriend, because it was three or four o'clock and lunch and ended, I couldn't stop then. I couldn't just stop and have a cup of tea. No. That was, I was, there well, I was be, ready to kick yeah, on, you know? Yeah. Where's, where's the rest of this? You know, like, the yeah, day's not over yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm feeling good at this point. This is what was wrong because. And our, that was the point that was wrong right there. Yeah. That was the point was air off switch was broken. Right. We didn't, you know, the little switch that says, okay, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, time to switch I'm, off. Yeah. yeah. I want to feel this happen. feeling. Yeah. yeah it didn't we happen. That. Yeah. And another thing is, I just think that, do I want to be on my own, spending my time drinking, wasting my life away? No, I don't. I don't want to go back to where I was, which was, you, you can say this the same thing, horrible, dark place. It was awful being in that place where you were just drinking and that was it. There was no life. You well, got it was up. A difference. It was a dark hole. It wasn't a rabbit hole. It was no, a dark it's hole. It's the I, pit I, of that. Thinking, I'm so far down, I don't know how. You know, you see those people fall down into holes. Or yeah. Things. I don't, I can't crawl out of this. And that's where I said about the hope. 
because I honestly didn't think I could ever, ever do it. And a friend of mine, whom is a year today, as we discussed, said to me, if you can do it, I can do it. And that's the hope you give to others. And it doesn't matter whether you're a day, a week, a month. If you're someone that has been known as a constant drinker and your friends all of a sudden or your family see you not drinking for a week or so, it really encourages others to, and yes, it does encourage them to take a look at themselves, but it also can motivate some people to say, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. Like my brother did Dry July. And he said to me at the end of the month, he said, I, well, yeah, kept checking in with me. Now, I never mentioned a word to him. Yeah. But at seven days, he said, you know, I'm doing really well. It's Friday night and I'd normally love a beer. And he's not a big drinker, but he said, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm fine for the weekend, you know. Yeah. But he felt like he needed to give me, like, tell me how good he was doing. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then yesterday he made a point of me going down the coast next week. He said, oh, well, enjoy a bottle of wine on the balcony. He forgot that I don't drink, drink. anymore. <laughs> It's funny. It's just funny because he's known me all my life as a drinker. And it takes some time for people to get and used to you not being yeah. a drinker. Yeah. And I had uh, someone asked me about having a drink and I said, I don't drink anymore. And they said, this is becoming a lifestyle with a lot of people. Right. They're moving away from alcohol mm-hmm. because there is so much more information out there. Because when I first gave up alcohol many years ago, I only knew AA. I didn't know of anything right. else. And it, to me, it would be an hour meeting. I'd get to talk for two or three minutes, maybe, amongst everybody else. There was no sharing. Of, it wasn't interactive. No. And the, that's, the, that's the secret. That's the best part of the IAS app, mm-hmm. the Telegram groups, mm-hmm. the Zooms. I am sober a cup during COVID. A cup, like you say, Chef 56 and a few others started the Zooms going during COVID. And it worked really, really well. It started with just two. Now I think they have four, four or five. About twi- with all the different groups, there's, there's so many. Yeah. It's nearly could, 20 a week, I think. Yeah, there's art you, parties. There's all sorts of things. Yeah. And although it says art party, if someone wants to sit and chat, that's the so place good. they can go and chat. That's called reading the room to see who, if somebody comes in and has a pressing, you know, pressing yes. something to deal with, it's on their mind and they're not feeling so great about whatever. Everyone will turn their support to them, and that's what I love about it, you know. And you have been studying. Correct. And we spoke about this not a couple of hours ago, that you wouldn't have been able to do that when you were drinking. Oh, put in God. the hours, no, you put in. You should have seen when I did my real estate license in California, how I ever got through that. I, I think I was doing it in the morning, and then I would drink in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely right. This is pretty intensive, this course. It's a 12-month course for alcohol and other drugs. And we we have to do a lot of recording role plays. Can you imagine me on Zoom? Drug whacked. <laughs> what a counsellor I would make. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm definitely not leading a real advocate. A really ad, a real advocate yeah, for alcohol. No, it's, no, you can't. There's a lot of recording and everything else. And and it's you just people are saying, "Well, this is really hard." All these questions. You have to be on the ball, as you mm-hmm. said, clarity. You've got to have a clear mind to be able to do this. And, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat it and say it is always easy. It's Ooh, not. No. It is bloody hard and we're going against the grain. But like you said, it is becoming so much more accepting. I mean, even on Instagram, I look, all these actors and famous people who before would not speak about being sober and now talking about, yeah. you know, people like Bradley Cooper, you've got people like Robert Downey Jr., you've got, what's her name, the other, oh God, what's her name? 
Oh, I can't think of it. But it just every this is clarity of mind. Yeah, this is clarity of mind. It's all right, people. We've been watching the tennis today. Yeah. But people like Robbie Williams, there's all these people that are talking about sobriety quite openly, saying what it's done for them. And you can, the list goes without saying. Drew Barrymore, that's who I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah. But, you know, they're all talking about it now. Well, Jamie Lee Curtis, she's on there advocating yeah. for sobriety. You've got Anthony uh, Hopkins. There's yeah, so many. There's so many of them. They've been sober for a long time but didn't speak about it. Yeah. Now they're talking it's about acceptable. it. It's acceptable. It's becoming, actually, it's strange to say that be, saying that you're now sober is the in thing to do. <laughs> it doesn't sound strange to me anymore. No. No, it's, it's quite normal to say I'm sober. It's no big deal. I am what I am. Like you said, I go through the shopping centre, uh, sorry, the supermarket now, and there's a half an aisle of non-alcoholic drinks. I mean, somebody's making all the money. I wish it was me. That's it. You know, you know, and there are choices. You can still participate. Everything, everything in life is choices because we make the choice to give up alcohol, but we had help with our choices because we had a, we managed to find a community. I do feel sorry for those who who don't have any voice, because I was lost. And that's that was the thing. It was the one time in my life I needed a helping hand. Yeah. And I didn't know where to turn, to be honest. And that's where I read Annie Grace's book. And it's and she's helped a lot. And I started to understand what alcohol actually was, that it was ethanol and what I was doing to my body. And we've talked about the science. Yeah. You know, Drifter, you and I talk about it all the time. And when you learn about what it does to you physically and what it does to the mind, and it was like my car analogy of the, you know, the, the, the motor and the chassis yeah. and, you know, running, we want to run in cruise control. And I think that now I actually am in cruise control and not chugging to start or, you know, running it's, on turbo. Yeah, and it, it, like we said, that we face day-to-day -day problems in a calm, reasonable manner. We don't get anxious. I said to you, I was flying back from the UK. The weather was horrendous. I think I left Atlanta. The weather was horrendous leaving Atlanta, so I was late. And then as I hit Texas, the weather was just as bad. And the pilot had to circle and circle, but then had to divert to refuel. And the man in the seat in the front of me was just, he was beside White himself. Knuckle, yeah. yeah, he was beside himself. He was, this isn't right, and we should be able to land, and this, that, and the other. But I sat there, and this is where my clarity has helped, actually. I sat there and I thought, well, I'm not flying the plane. It's the pilot. So he knows what he's doing. I'm not in charge of the weather mother nature is. So all I've got to do is sit here and hope that the pilot can land the plane safely and I can get off it and I'm good to go. If it's my time to not get off this plane, then okay, I'm good yeah. with that. It was learning that I am not or I don't have to be in total control of everything. You know, I don't need to control everything. I don't have to be in control of everything. I can let someone who is more expert than me take over. Mm -hmm. You know, it, and it's nice to actually let that go. That is such a relief to let it go to someone who knows more than I do and can take over from it. So, you know, and when problems arise, like you say, the pause where you can stop, you can sit back, you can think and puzzle it out and you can see the, you can start seeing the answer. Whereas before you would just get more and more wound up. That's the problem. The thought comes into your head and it manifests. Yeah. And it manifests in a negative, anxious manner. When then, it's like that gentleman got, gets himself into such a rut that he can't unwind. Yeah. 
He can't bring himself back down. Whereas logically, and again, it gets back to that serenity prayers. I don't want to control everything. No. I quite like sitting back and watching things unfold. And actually, I know in the back of my mind that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And if it's not okay, we'll work out a way. Like you said, there's always a solution. And the solution may not be imminent. It may be tomorrow or the next day. But it's okay to actually wait it out and have a li- little bit more patience because I've never had any patience. I don't know anybody who drank a lot who's got a lot of patience. Does. And you we wanted it and we want it now. And we didn't rehearse that. No, little, there's little, no script. No, there's no script. There, you know, this is all off script. But folks. for those of the, you know, that are listening, it's, you know, my friend says the four P's. So when it's like, he says, you've got to prepare. You've got to practice, you've got to have patience, and you've got to have persistence. Mm-hmm. And it really does break down to those those four things. And I always had a mantra. I don't know if you did, but I had a mantra that I said right from the beginning because I knew I had to rewire my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want alcohol to be relevant to me anymore, so I said alcohol's irrelevant. And now I can look at alcohol for the most part. Like you said that about the wine yesterday. I looked at it and it didn't really do anything for me. I mean, we got some nice drinks and that was okay. Yeah. And we were fine with that after that initial thought. But it's the atmosphere that creates it, that thought. It, it's and the, the visual. Company and the romanticizing. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice? That yep. thought that is in my brain all the time. And now I, wouldn't, come home. I wouldn't have said I wanted the alcohol. It was no. just the visual in front of me and remembering. Like I said, wouldn't it be nice? The like romanticizing. A yeah. A treat or something. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, so I'm not giving up chocolate, folks. Sorry. No, no, we haven't <laughs> given up chocolate. We've <laughs> enough of that. Oh, my God, yeah. But no, like I say, the one thing that has really helped me and you is this connection with others in this sober community. Because... You can't do this alone. It's just too hard. And yeah, I don't think Way I want too to hard. now. No. I mean, if it wasn't for you and I, we had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And we said that. We said, look, this is hard enough. Let's just try and make it as fun as it possibly can be. So guys, get yourself a sober buddy. Somebody that you yes. can really check in with and just go down the rabbit holes and educate yourselves. And look, we play songs. We, you know, anything that had a meaning that could help but support or motivate or keep you on track. We did a lot of that, especially when we had the Sober Warriors, the original Yeah, band. There was a lot of stuff. We'd be playing daily songs. I mean, it was fun. It, and and look, you and I, to be sitting in my lounge room is crazy right here, right now. <laughs> I mean, Polly lives in the UK now and has now come down from Sydney. I'm here in Australia. We were both in America at the time. Yep. You know, all this, there's many of our friends that have got together. You've met a lot of people in the, in the much in, more than yeah. me, in the actual community. And also with Lucent, I, I don't think emotionally I would be where I am now after losing Dan mm-hmm. if I'd have been drinking because all I'd have done, see, my drinking started, I'd lost two husbands and my drinking really started after I lost my first husband. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I realized that I hadn't coped with my grief yeah. from the first yeah. time. Yeah. All I'd done was bank it down and not face it. Because the emotions are extremely hard, that it it literally sucks the air out of your lungs when your partner passes. Well, if you lose anybody really, really close, not just your partner. I can only speak for myself was that the life I thought was my normal life was suddenly gone. So then I'm thinking, how do I create a new life? And I didn't know how to do it. So drinking took off. And that's how I dealt with my new life. I didn't. 
And I think that's what a lot of us do when we're drinking. We, we use it to hide away. We, we don't want to face it. And this time I've actually faced it. And I've acknowledged that Dan is gone, but he's not gone, gone from me. I've got all my memories. And going back to the UK, I've reconnected with Ed, my first husband, mm-hmm. in a way, because the one day I was walking through town and I came past the pub where Ed and I had a wedding mm-hmm. reception, yeah. carried on walking and past the hotel where Dan and I had our wedding night. So those little connections brought smiles to my faces because I could put the two of them together and acknowledge both of them in my life. But I couldn't have done that if I'd have been drinking. Right. There's no way I would have been in that place where I could enjoy that memory Mm. of both of them if I'd have been drinking because I'd have just been suppressing it. And it brought a smile to your face. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) how grief changes. And I agree with you. Loss was one of the reasons I know that I started drinking as well, too. And not dealing with a lot of loss. I had a lot of loss within a 10-year period. And I never dealt with it. And, and it's really interesting. It's only recently on reflection that I know that now when it's yeah. done. And I can pinpoint exactly when these losses started happening. And you sort of feel like sometimes the world's against you and you can't get a break. And then yeah. instead of facing it, which I didn't, and then more things happened, I just started to withdraw, became that turtle, went into my shell. It's had like comfort yeah. in the bottle. And, you know, it's... But as I said, and then with the grief now, especially with the loss of both my parents, I mean, my sister and I, we just laugh. We pulled out yeah. photos and we laugh now. And it's been, as I said, dad's 11 years, mum's been six. But I still talk to them. And yeah. there's no reason why you can't. We, I mean, you and I are both spiritual. Yes. So, I mean, you know, it's an energy thing. And I still see 333 everywhere, everywhere all the time. still happening to me. Yeah. And I just think that... The joy that you get from your memories far outweighs the alcohol any day of the week. And Drifter has been talking more and more about his brother and the memories with his right. brother. Yeah. And he lost his brother to this addiction many years ago. But even he, he remembers the funny times and things like that. And that's, here we go with this clarity again. The clearing of the mind. And the acceptance. And the acceptance takes time. Yes. I mean, Drifted, this is the whole reason he does this. This is the only reason he, you know, the whole reason he bought Sober Town. I mean, we, it takes time to accept mm-hmm. certain things, especially even the letting go. Oh, yeah. You know, we want to hold on sometimes so tight, and I don't know exactly what the reason and that maybe it's a safety factor for us, but we're not really safe at all. No. You know, it's all false perceptions, isn't Correct. it? Correct. And I said to you about your how how mentally, how has your mental mm-hmm. health changed right. the longer you've been sober? Because I find mine is in a so much better place. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Mentally, I'm night and day to where I was. And I think that to me is worth everything. The the, the peace that comes eventually. It it's a serenity and a peace. Yeah. As I said, the mind and the I used to feel like out of my skin. Now my mind and body is one. I'm one being. It's not separated the head and the body, you know, doing and, different things, the heart palpitations and 
and the brain getting all anxious about it and the body doing its physical responses to needing alcohol. And it's also, like I said, I, it's not my first time giving up alcohol, but the first time I did it, I can't really say I've got, I got sober because all I did was go to an AA meeting and just not drink. This time, as we've both done, is educate ourselves. And we've actually educated ourselves in sobriety. And been fully involved in it. Yeah, we've educated ourselves in every aspect of sobriety so that we can now say we are living a sober life. And I still maintain I've got 1,191 um, days, mm -hmm. 24 hours at a yeah. time. Yeah, you know, I am sober that many days, but I have only been sober every twenty-four hours, right. one thousand one hundred ninety-one times. Mm -hmm. So it's still, it's just you wake up in the morning. I'm not going to drink today, and that's the only day you can really focus on. Even this far into sobriety, it's still only one yeah. day at a time. Isn't it funny? I don't even wake up and think I'm not going to drink today. I just think I don't mm. drink. No, that's it. Like it's almost. It's completely out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, when I'm not out socializing and around it, I don't give it a second thought. No. Because as you said, it's become our norm and we change the habits and we change our mindset. And we change our routines And you fill well. your life in with different things. Like mm -hmm. you said, with my studies now, it is a full-time thing. It's a 25 to 30 hour a week course. That's it. And it's a 12-month course. So it's, you know, you've got to substitute that time. And I remember when I first told a, a friend from school who was sober, 25 years and they said my only piece of advice is to get busy mm -hmm. feel it and I realized how much time I spent overseas drinking and it really is about that connecting and getting busy and it's, yeah and it's like you said going back three years ago if you'd have thought about this you'd have thought no it eats into my drinking time there's no way I can do that now and I would have been too even... overwhelmed by it I wouldn't have seen it yeah it's it intense what it is it's intense. I would have looked and said, that's way beyond me. I, I, you know, I, there's no way I can do that. Because, again, we trust ourselves now. We have more belief in ourselves. Yes. We know what we're capable of. And if you can do this for any amount of time, you really does give you the confidence back to, as I said, trust yourself and know that you can pretty much, you can handle anything. I think, yeah, and I think that's true because you gain more confidence in your own abilities because to make this, the right yeah, choices because this is a huge thing to do to get sober. and it's not an easy thing to do no. and unfortunately it's one of those things that there isn't a quick fix for there is definitely not a quick fix and the only way you're going to get sober is if you truly truly want it and we know there are how many times did we fall off the wagon when we were trying to get sober any times i can't i mean it isn't that I just decided one morning not to drink and never drank again. I tried, and I tried again, and I tried again, and I tried again. It's persistence. Yeah, and it's like those stages. We were in pre-contemplation for such a long, long time. Yeah. Why didn't we ever why didn't we do it back then? Because we were simply overwhelmed and didn't think we could. We didn't. You had to get to a point where you could. I couldn't. I just couldn't. I thought, I'm just sick of this. I can't do this anymore. And as I said, I looked in the mirror, I couldn't see myself. And I said, I'm sick of you. I'm sick of just this, this rat race every day and the same thing mm -hmm. and getting nowhere, achieving nothing and being so darn miserable and so anxious that there has to be more of a lot. This is not living. This is no. existing. So that definitely wasn't enjoyable back then. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I can honestly say that 
I do enjoy my life. I've done a lot of traveling. There's still more traveling to do because now I have confidence in myself. And people say, do you go by yourself? Well, why not? Because you're empowered and you know at the end of the day, you can trust to get you where you're going. You're not going to be like falling over or, or incoherent or blackout when you're traveling. That's one you of know the things. I mean? Yeah, that's one of the things. You're totally safe with yourself. One of the things that bothers me about getting older is if I, if I was to start drinking now at my age and I turned 70, it would be so easy for me to have an accident. And that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. Yeah, we don't. And I don't want that. No. You know, I've still got a lot of living I want to do. There's still a lot of things on my bucket list. And you've got a lot of things planned and it's yes. terrific. And having those things to look forward to, too, I think is, you know, yeah, it's great. I mean, you experience, look, you can make up for what you've lost. Yesterday's gone. But I tell you what, you're making the most of tomorrow. You've got to. Absolutely. You've got to. And I don't know if anybody who listened to this is in the UK. I wouldn't mind getting a UK get-together going. Yeah, we and talked about yeah, that. Yeah, and seeing if we can get like a, an I Am Sober meetup in the UK, a big one. I don't know. Let's take over Butlins or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. That could be something for next year. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's nothing to stop it happening. And there's quite a good congregation over there. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I still got to travel around and start meeting people. I've only been over there four weeks before I left again. So, and my kids say to me, "When, well, mom, when are you going to sit down?" And I say, "I'll sit in my coffee." <laughs> That's exactly right. So you know, I I don't limit myself now. Do you? No, I just, I just, like, I don't, I don't do things I don't want to do either. No. Like, my boundaries are pretty strict now, and I don't people please anymore, all these things. No. And sometimes I think, I haven't changed at all, but when I think about these things, <laughs> I've changed immensely. <laughs> and, you it know. It feels so good. I know what I like, and I know what I don't, and I'm yeah. very definite about it. But it feels good every day to wake up. It's a different sort of control. Um, it's not even control anymore. It's just living the way that you really feel inside you want to live. That's it. And you it know? is a feeling. And enjoying being with those other people. Like yeah. We love supporting people. It makes you feel good to be of service or to help somebody else. I've got somebody that I've tried to help on and off, on and off for about 18 months. And she'll go quiet for four or five months on me and then she'll pop out of the blue. And she's popped out of the blue and she's in Australia at the moment as well. Oh, Unfortunately, she's in another state. She's just traveling for work. Mm -hmm. But she texts me and said, guess where I am? And I was like, oh, my God. But you never know who's going to pop up in. And we, the amount of people we know, yes. especially even in Canada and places like that. I mean, this is, you know, you can travel the world and have so many friends to pop in and see. Well, I went, to, yeah. I went to that I Am Sober meetup back in yeah. Asheville. And a couple of girls came down. At least one CC came down from Canada. Oh, and Nat. CC and Nat came down yep. from Canada for it. There were people across the country came. Nat from Australia came yep. across. So, I mean, it was, there were 40, over 40 people there who no one was a stranger because the best part about it, like you said, when you picked me up at the airport, it felt like we'd always been together, mm. even though we'd never met in the physical world. And it was the same with the Asheville meetup. There were over 40 people that were just so comfortable with each other because we've all taken off that mask that we've wore 
We've allowed ourselves to be vulnerable with each other. We've allowed others to see us in a way that we've not shown ourselves for years and years and years. So, and I think being with people who don't judge you, who allow you to just be you, I think that is, that's another thing that's freeing. And also the amount of hours that you yes. and I have spent talking. When I was in Miami, I can, some days we'd speak four times a day. Yeah, that's it. But the amount of hours that we've invested just talking and knowing each other, mm -hmm. right? that's, that's it. it's more than people I've had physically in my life for years and years and years. And like I say, we've been virtual friends oh for goodness. 27 months and met for the first time physically yesterday. Yeah. But it didn't feel like the first time. It felt like, and that was the same with the other meetups I've been on. And I've spent time with Karina in the UK. I've spent time with Houndless yeah. and with Maka. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's all wonderful because they're not strangers. They're friends now. And we can talk about any topic because nothing is off the table. And it's a nice feeling to have that bond. Yeah. It's a nice feeling to have that connection and it, with other human beings. When when we were drinking, we felt so alone, really. And also, our souls were alone. And also, when you were in your drinking days, you were always cautious as to what you showed other people of yourself. Now, I don't mind even well, if there's nothing to hide. Well, even if it's not anyone from my sober groups, I still don't feel the need to what? be anything other than what I am now because. It's a case of this is who I am. I'm happy with me. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy with me. And I'm the same person. My, my best friend's son said, oh, mom, has only Debbie changed? And she said, no, Jack, she's exactly the same. She's just a better version. This is it. You and I think, y'all, that's it exactly. We are a better version of what we were before. A and true version. A more organic yeah. version without I the influence version. of much karma. And people, I think. But like, for people who are not necessarily born calm, you know, but <laughs> I didn't need the alcohol to make oh, like, any more like Give I me was. more coffee. I've got yeah. coffee here. But anyway, <laughs> I think it was great to have a chat because you and I haven't done this for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, we're going to do it again. And we know a lot of people out there in the in the sober world, so I hope that you've enjoyed listening to us. I'm sorry that we were sort of just chatting like <laughs> we're sitting here on the couch. Like a casual, couple of old friends. Looking at the Arrow River and it's been raining here today, but. I mean, it's been lovely. I almost feel like you're, you're not going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, my grandson will have some big Yes, he's got to take you on another adventure. Yes, said. more adventures with Nanny. And the group, I created a group. Here's one. I created a group for the family that let them know where I am when I, because they, they have to follow me as well because I'm traveling. And the group is called, oh, no, it's Nanny. So it's when they get the message, it says, oh, no, it's Nanny. Oh, you know, so funny. it's quite funny. And I think the, my sense of humor has come back. Oh, yeah. Very I love to laugh. So, folks, like, like King said, I hope you've enjoyed this. We've enjoyed ourselves chatting to you. And get on I Am Sober if yes. you need some help. You can post, comment. And then you'll also be able to join us on Zooms and come and say hi. Don't be sh no, don't be don't be scared. Once you do it two or three times, you'll be like, oh, why yeah. can't I do this sooner? The Zooms will be your lifesaver. I can guarantee it. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing that I never gave up was the connection on Zoom. Even though I don't get to post on the I Am Sober app a lot. No, I don't. But I do actually turn up to the Zooms just because I like the actual interaction. And it's it's nice seeing other sober people that are connecting. And we get people from day one to day 1,000 to whatever. Four years, isn't Chef 56 four years now? Yeah, he is. So, I mean, and, and this is what's come still... about in those four years. That's the amazing thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, listeners, do yourselves a favor, go on to SoberTownPodcast.com because it really is a one-stop shop for everything to do with yes. sobriety. There's over 300 podcasts and a lot of them are actually people from the I Am Sober app who have told their story. So it's real people, real time, honest conversation. And I said, I always did the podcast because I didn't want anybody to feel alone and you don't have to be alone. Just know that. No. And Drifter's mission is to help as many people as possible going forward. And look how much it's grown already. Yeah. And everyone. 100,000 people. 100,000 downloads. Yep. And everyone who works on SoberTownPodcast.com. Or all volunteers. Or all volunteers. They volunteer their time. They volunteer their information, anything that they are good at, they volunteer to it. It's all done voluntarily. It's not paid for. And it's all come from. And we're all from the same community. Yeah, from the I Am Sober community. So, folks. Thank you, folks, for listening. And I always say at the end of a podcast, no sippy, no slippy. That's what we plan on doing. Yeah, no sippy, no slippy. So, folks, until the next time. No sippy, no slippy, and I wish you well. And from King, take care, guys. And from me, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.